You're listening to the Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much for listening today. It's an episode where it's just me, a solo episode of the Sports Blog New York Podcast. And as always, I just need to thank you for coming in because it's the second week of the football season coming up. This podcast is getting released on Thursday. I'm recording Wednesday night. And uh, it's a busy time in everybody's life because, you know, you got work and you got things going on. The summer's coming to an end. And then Sundays, you just want to be locked in from 1 o'clock until 10 o'clock or whenever the Packers game ends. And then Monday night, we got two games. And, oh, a lot's going on. But it's such a fun time in sports when we have football to talk about. And we have games to recap from Monday until Wednesday, Thursday-ish. Then we have Thursday and Friday to look forward to Sunday and Monday. And it is absolutely electric. And I'm going to try to come here every week with you guys on the Sports Blog New York podcast to talk some talk, give you some picks. So that's exactly what we're going to do today here on the SPNY podcast. Um, So I have a couple topics I want to talk about here. I'm going to keep this one short. I'm calling it a mini pod. Now, if you've been listening to this pod for a while, you know that when I say that, anything could happen. Anything could happen, but I'm going to try to do uh, four or five topics I have in my head. I'm going to try to do five minutes each, get you in, get you out, 30 minutes, then throw on some NFL Week 2 picks. So who knows? Maybe this will be 30 minutes, 35 minutes, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be jam-packed. I'm going to give you some takes, give you what I thought about Week 1, look forward to Week 2. It was so much fun. So hopefully you're having fun with me here on the Sports Blog New York podcast. So this is all you have to do right now. Just sit back, relax, think about some football. That's what we're going to be talking today. Tell your friends, subscribe, rate, review. But for now, stay tuned. Hopefully, the mantra of this little intro song about my friend Junior, Junior, shout out to you. Uh, hopefully, the mantra of this little song here will be a mantra of the podcast when we give you more picks throughout the season. Uh, to recap a little bit on week one picks, uh, you know, wasn't the best week. I think I ended up one one and one. So uh, the spread moved for the Seahawks and Broncos game. I know I said I like Seahawks plus three. They ended up losing by three, so that's a push. But but by game time, to be honest, it was two and a half. So that's an L for me. That's an L for your boy. If you if you want to call it that, it's up to you. But I like the Panthers. They took the care of it. Uh, but unfortunately, I also like the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, they kind of let us down in week one on Thursday. That whole game was a little bit of a letdown, but we had a little bit of everything. We had some big plays. We had some uh, referee mishaps with the catch by Julio Jones, which uh, after Sunday, you know, kind of feels like a long-lost cousin that you don't really see anymore because you got, you forget about it. So many more things happen. Um, but that's besides the point. I got distracted right off the bat. Like I said, <laughs> this will hopefully be a shorter podcast, but we're not starting off too hot. Sports Blog New York Podcast. My name is Pete Kennedy. I just want to give a quick shout-out uh, to a listener recently because you know what? The listeners here, Whoever listens to this podcast, I really appreciate you. And when you guys show some love, I want to show some love back. So we recently had somebody uh, show support in such an easy fashion. You know, hop onto that iTunes app, the Apple Podcast app. Go on the subscribe, rate, review page. Hit review. Drop some stars. Drop some thoughts. So somebody wrote that this is their favorite podcast. He said, this is my favorite sports podcast. These guys are well-informed, down-to-earth, and really funny. If you want to one-up people in sports conversations, listen to the show. That is from the Jets Need Help. 
that is the username. So, you know, iTunes doesn't really tell you who it is. I don't know who it is, but this person believes that the Jets need help. He wrote this review on August 20th. Now, I don't believe whoever you are who wrote that review feels as strongly as you did then as you do right now because, as we all know, sitting here on Thursday at the start of Week 2, Sam Darnold stole the show. Not only did Sam Darnold steal the show in New York, he's been a national story. And yeah, you can say maybe because Mike Greenberg is a diehard Jets fan, so he's pumping it into the ESPN airwaves. Sure, but besides that, people like Colin Cowherd doing national shows, people all over social media, Jets fans, Giants fans, New Yorkers, non-New Yorkers alike, Savior Sam, the ringer. Granted, they have some Jets fans on staff. That's besides the point. Sam Darnold, in prime time, after throwing a pick right off the bat, first pass of his career throws a pick, comes back strong, keeps his composure, and does the damn thing. Gets the damn win. And granted, the Lions looked absolutely horrible, but you'll take it when you can get it if you're a New York Jets fan. So I'm going to break this pod down real quick before I really get into the swing of things. And again, Sports Blog New York Podcast, my name is Pete Kennedy. Like I mentioned before, if you really appreciate the show, if you come through and listen every week, like I appreciate you, show some love back, hop on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, subscribe, rate, review, drop some stars, drop some thoughts, drop some takes, drop some picks in there. Tell me what you ate for breakfast. I don't care. But what I'm going to do here on today's show, I'm going to run through four or five topics. I'm going to spend five minutes each, approximately, give or take. Some might be short, but some might be a little long. I'm going to spend some minutes on it, and then I'm going to get to some NFL Week 2 picks for you guys. Because making picks is fun, and gambling is uh, illegal now. Uh, Technically not in New York, but that's okay. In New Jersey, a bunch of other places, and it's fun. It's fun to talk about. It's a fun way to project what you're thinking is going to happen. Because whether you're actually doing real money, whether you're making bets with your friends, whether you're in a survivor pool or a spread em pool, whatever you're doing, this is such a fun way to talk about football, to project, to, to try to guess what's going to happen. Um, there's there's nothing nothing better than when you're talking in a conversation with your friends, dropping in, oh, what's the spread? Oh, who's going to come out on top? Is it going to be close? Is it going to be a blowout? Like last week with the Ravens, if you were confident about that game, which I was, wasn't confident enough to make it one of my picks, but I remember just thinking to myself before that game started, oh my God, this is going to be a bloodbath. And when that happens, you feel good about it. You feel good that you make a prediction right. And uh, when you get one wrong, like I did with the Falcons last week, wear that one on the chin, you got to wear it and keep moving. You got to learn from the mistakes. You got you to bob and weave. But it's fun, so we're going to do that as well. But the first topic I want to get to here is in regards to the thing I opened up with there a little bit, and that's the New York Jets and Sam Darnold. So as you probably know by now, they won their first game, and it was very exciting. Monday night football, prime time, against the Lions in Detroit. And this is one of those games where you look at the spread, and Vegas, you know, they they, they don't really give respect. As, why should they? The Jets were almost a touchdown point, a touchdown underdog there, as they should be. Matt Stafford has won a lot of games in this league. Matt Stafford has thrown for a ton of yards, ton of touchdowns in this league. The Jets' defense was looked at as unproven. A lot of people didn't think they were that great, starting a rookie quarterback. And how funny is it? I know, I know it's probably been covered by now, but it's just so funny that, you know, the first play happens, Sam Darnold throws a pick six, and everyone instantly goes to Twitter, right? And I remember looking at a friend who tweeted, 
at like, you know, say it was like 7.04. It was like 7.04. Today starts the new era of the New York Jets. Couldn't be more excited. And in 7.06, he writes, never mind. <laughs> I mean, it had to sting if you were a Jets fan to be so ecstatic, to be so pumped up for a new era, and your boy throws a pick six on his first ever attempt. But if you listen back, if you think back to the draft process, if you really look back to what all these talking heads, what all these mock drafts, what all these things had in common about Sam Darnold, it wasn't the fact that he threw a great ball. It wasn't the fact that he could move around the pocket, which, though, a lot of people believed that. One of the most consistent facts about Sam Darnold, that if you didn't know yet, or you didn't know before Monday night, that was looked at during the draft process, was shown true Monday, was this guy is poised. And it proves in multiple fashions. Number one, obviously throwing a pick six and then coming back and answering and making good plays and pushing the ball downfield and moving throughout the pocket. But this dude's demeanor is second to none. Now, obviously, Aaron Rodgers was a story in his own right this weekend. Probably the biggest story. I mean, Sam Donald's still a little thunder away because obviously the Monday Monday news cycle kind of covered Aaron Rodgers a lot. So Tuesday really picked up on Sam. But Aaron Rodgers looks so calm, cool, collected, almost to the point where you can hate him just by being so confident, so chill, right? Sam Darnold, without the the cocky edge that Aaron Rodgers kind of has, more of an innocent edge, more of like a genuine uh, whippersnapper edge, (laughs) for lack of a better terms, Sam Darnold had all of that. And now, of course, someone who's not a believer is sitting here listening to me saying, Come on, man. It's one game. He actually didn't even play that good. The Jets' defense was incredible. That's why they won so uh, convincingly. And yes, you are correct. Sam Darnold didn't put in an A-plus performance. He put in a B, B B-plus. He did really really good. Very good. He got an 87 out of 100. I don't know. I'm not doing a real great. But you see what I'm saying. No one's sitting here, I don't think, trying to tell you that he put on the best performance of a quarterback. But... Everybody who's sitting here confidently saying that this guy has something, that he has that thing people call it, he has the calm, cool, collected, don't give a hell what I just did vibe going on, whether it's the first quarter, fourth quarter, just coming out of half, he got that, and that's real. And I hate to be the guy who brings it up yet again, but I have to. I have to, because it's going to segue me into my next topic. If you're a New York Giants fan, and you watched that game on Monday night, and you didn't get at least a little flash in your head, thinking in five years, when we're throwing out who knows who at quarterback, and Sam Darnold is still the quarterback of the New York Jets, leading them to 9-7s, and 10-6s, and 11-5, who knows? You're telling me you didn't think about it a little bit like, ooh, could have had that guy. So I'm not putting Sam Darnold in the Hall of Fame. I'm not putting him on the Pro Bowl team yet. Not that the Pro Bowl matters, but not making him all pro yet. Uh, Hell, I'm not even ready to make him uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year. 
I'm not trying to jump to conclusions. But there are certain things that I thought of Sam Darnold before the season started, before the draft happened, before he was a New York Jet, that were slightly confirmed or on their way to being true. And all these steps are going in the right direction for Sam Darnold and the New York Jets. Those things include the confidence, the calm, cool, collected nature where he's not going to get rattled. The ability to move through the pocket, to use his legs to make plays, not particularly running the ball, but to extend it, to move it around the pocket and then outside the pocket, to keep his eyes downfield, to want to make plays, to be willing to take tough throws and to make tough throws. There's one thing about a basketball player who can jack up uh, open threes all day or run or uh, uh, set, setting shots, you know, uh, off screens and in the corner. And there's other things about Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant who can take contested shots and who make contested shots. You want your quarterback to be a guy who not only wants to take those contestant shots, but can make them. And Sam Darnold seems to be one of those guys who has what it takes to stand in the pocket, take a hit, push the ball downfield, and make big plays. And you know what? Last note on the Jets, we may have underappreciated their little receiving core they got going on there. Because Quincy Anunma was a guy people liked before he got hurt. Robbie Anderson could go get it down the field. I don't know. They might got some guys there. And Isaiah Crowell looked good. But that's all it with a grain of salt because the Lions looked bad. They looked really bad. Well, moving on to a team that uh, looked bad at certain points as well. That was the New York Giants. All in all, an okay game. All in all, not the worst performance. All in all, not something that you should be super disappointed in or uh, upset about as a New York Giants fan. I don't think so. But there are things to be concerned about, right? And the obvious thing, which you're, I'm sure you're expecting right now, is for me to say that uh, the, the offensive line is not exactly fixed. Eric Flowers, I mean, the man had two penalties on the first drive. The man just stuck his leg out to trip defensive lineman for the Jaguars because he couldn't stop him. He got blown, blown away. The center and right guard, Halepo and Omeo. Patrick o- Omema, how do you say that guy's name? I forget. They didn't look great. Will Hernandez is a rookie. You got to give him some slack, right? Sure. Solder, big upgrade. But did that stop Eli from having to run for his life? Absolutely not. But that's not my big point here. The O-line didn't look good. No. But are they the only ones to blame here? I don't know. I don't know because I look at Eli, Eli Manning and sure, he made some good throws, and sure, he looks in control, and sure, it looks like he's Eli Manning still for the most part. Uh, he never really could move well, so to criticize how he moves would kind of be a, a lame duck argument, I think. But watching the full 1 o'clock slate, the 4 o'clock slate, the night games, the Monday night games, and then remembering back to what Eli Manning looked like, when things break down. Because it's one thing to have a bad O-line, right? The Texans' O-line didn't look good. Deshaun Watson was running around. The Seahawks' O-line doesn't look good. Russell Wilson's running around. Cam Newton's running around. 
Derek Carr's running around. Matt Ryan did not look good running around. He almost looked in that Eli Manning can. There are certain guys who can move. Mitch Trubisky moved around pretty well in the first half there. Even Aaron Rodgers with one leg moved around pretty good. There's one thing to have a bad low line, right? And just to just to throw the blame on it. That's what we did last year. The old line's horrible. What are you going to do? Eli has no hope. And there were a few plays where, yeah, Eli had sincere pressure. There was real, legit pressure in his face when he needed to make a throw. And maybe it forced him to make it before he wanted to. But if we want this Giants team to be not good but great, if we want this Giants team to reach a next level, to be 11-5 and again, to be a juggernaut entering into the playoffs, we need Eli to make some of these spectacular plays. Now, I'm not expecting him to, to do a back pivot, turn around, peel out, throw the ball on the run. I'm not. But some of the best plays in my, in my head, when I think about Eli Manning, just quick thought back to my head, just run through. You know, they say when your life flashes before your eyes, you see a bunch of stuff. When Eli Manning's career flashes before my eyes, I think of plays where he has an arm pulling down his jersey and he still puts all his might into a throw, gets dragged to the ground, flicks it as far as he can, somehow comes down with a catch. And yeah, those are spectacular plays. And yeah, you can't expect those. But in Eli Manning's old age, you still need something extra. You still need something special to make up for the shortcomings of this offensive line. There's only so many excuses to be made for a right tackle can't block anybody. At some point, you need a coach, whether it be Pat Shermer or Eli himself, to make those right calls, to make the adjustments, to cover up the weaknesses. Now, it, is, uh, it should be noted that the New York Giants played against one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the league. You know, obviously fantasy doesn't uh, relate to value directly, but was there a defense pick before the Jacksonville Jaguars in any fantasy draft this year? I don't think so. I mean, they lead the league, not lead the league maybe, but they, they're one of the league leaders in sacks. They got a fantastic defensive backfield. They were ferocious last year. They went to an AFC championship with a quarterback that many people believe is not good, who they believe is actually worse than Eli Manning at this point in his career. And the Giants were in that game. They lost by one score. And granted, the one touchdown they did score was on the back of a beautiful Saquon Barkley run. Granted, that was true. The Giants were in the game. They were in the game. The defense showed up for the most part. The O-line had some moments. Eli had some moments. But my main point is, the overarching point here is, if the Giants want to be special and don't want to be looking across uh, the locker room to see Sam Darnold leading the Jets for 10 years, they need a quarterback who's willing to stand in there, take some hits, and make some special plays. I think Eli has it in him still. My confidence is not very high. I've been critical of him in the past. I'm being critical partially right now, just with the week one benefit of the doubt. If you expect the Giants to be a playoff team this year, we can't just sit here and say, well, Eric Flowers is the worst. Well, the right guard, Omema, doesn't know what he's doing. Solder's the only guy we got. 
the adjustments need to be made. The adjustments can be made because Pat Shermer is supposed to be an offensive guy. And Case Keenum is a quarterback with shortcomings. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not even Derek Carr, probably. Made it work. Got it done. Got the ball out quick. I think they're going to continue to do so. So my take here for the Giants is to expect more of these short, dumpy gains. And I just do not believe that other defenses in this league will be as good as the Jacksonville Jaguars at maintaining Odell Beckham, at maintaining Jalen Ramsey. Um, I'm sorry, at maintaining Sterling Shepard. Jalen Ramsey was part of that defense maintaining these guys. Because Odell Beckham had 11 catches over 100 yards. All intents and purposes, good game. But they cut off the big play. We need those big plays to happen. For Eli to be successful, for Eli to hit on those shots downfield, they need to really work the intermediate game. They need to get Barkley out of the ball, out of the backfield. They need to use Ingram in the intermediate game. Shepard. So expect Odell to get a little more space after the catch in the next couple weeks. That's big. And then when that happens is when you can expect to see Eli making quality throws down the field again. But I really do not want to be sitting here every week and thinking, oh, well, the O-line can't do this. Oh, well, the O-line can't do that. We can't get a run game going. Oh, besides his 60-yard touchdown, he only averaged two yards a carry. I don't want to hear it all year. Adjustments need to be made. And if the adjustments can't be made, you need to look in the mirror. You need to either make moves for this year or make moves for the future. Make moves with a forward-thinking mindset where this is not our guy, we need to find our guy. Whether that be talking about the right tackle, whether that be talking about Eli Manning, whether that be talking about uh, a middle linebacker on the defense. I don't want to hear the same excuses over and over again. Oh, the line sucks. Oh, Saquon only averaged two yards of carry. Well, it's only going to be magnified and multiplied when you look across the locker room. When you look at MetLife on the Giants away games and you see a quarterback over there doing the extra things, moving around the pocket, moving outside the pocket, keeping the eyes downfield. These are all things that Eli does not quite excel at anymore, but he needs to be able to do on occasion. You saw it last week. They had a couple different chances to strike and the O-line collapsed and Eli couldn't quite get the play on. He couldn't quite make the extra effort. Not that he wasn't trying, but he just may have not had it in him. The one on maybe the 15-yard line where he got rushed, oh my God, it had to be 0.7 seconds, 1.1 seconds tops. Guy was in his face. He threw it up to the right area, overthrew Odell. Another play, Odell on the skinny post. Had him open a little bit, had a nice little seam there. A little rushed, little overthrow. The plays were there, the opportunities were there. They need to be made. Just one or two more big plays Uh, One or two more big plays per game can change this entire team. Because you know what? Overall, I thought Eli looked okay. I don't think he looked great. I think he looked okay. He made some good throws. He he seemed to make good calls, good decisions other than the pick six. I think he looked okay. But there's only so much you can do as far as excuses. You need to make adjustments. And that's it for the Jets and Giants for now. I mean, it was a good week for the Jets, a great week for the Jets. Not as much for the Giants, but you know what? Looking back at week one, 
if there's wins in the future, you can say, we played a very good team to a one-score game. Defense came up pretty strong. The offense was getting going. If Shermer can now make this offense look more potent on a consistent basis in weeks two through five, you can look back at this week one game and say, okay, we can live with that. But a few other things I want to talk about here on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Thanks for coming in. Uh, you know, don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. Always appreciate that. Don't forget to give me your takes on Twitter at pkennedy2wise, at sportblognyc. I want to talk about some young quarterbacks. Because, you know, quarterbacks, man, they're, 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 they're the hot topic. They're it. That's what's fun. Because, you know what, it's tough to really break down line play. We don't got enough hours in the day. This ain't my full-time job. Hell, it ain't even my second job. My second job. Got too many jobs out here. I can't watch the All-22. I don't have the coach's tape. You know what I mean? I see as much as I can. I watch as much as I can. Try to come here with some some informed opinions or at least some interesting opinions. But one thing you can kind of get a feel for, almost, almost, almost no matter who you are, is quarterback play, man. Quarterback play is fun. It's exciting. When you got young ones, you got things to look at. You got things to look forward to. And we had a lot. We had a lot of quarterbacks playing who are are still new to us. They're still um, growing in all of our minds. They include Deshaun Watson. They include Patrick Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky and Sam Darnold. And, I mean, the list goes on. Um, We even had a Josh Allen sighting. We had Kirk Cousins into the new digs. We have Dak Prescott, who who seems like he's like a, a grizzled veteran in his third year. Uh, who's like struggling. He seems like he's in the same uh, phase of his career as Eli Manning. Is that weird? Is that a weird thing to say? I just thought of that. I'm kind of spitballing here on that one. Hey, think about that. Had this good year, good run, looked at looked at as a quality quarterback, and then last year he had a playoff run, and then last year he 8-8 uh, and eight, uh, kind of looked underwhelming. Seemed to be not the reason the team was lifted up, and maybe the, the reason they were held back, but probably not. But this year is the year it's like, okay, maybe Dak is the reason they're held back. But also now the coaching staff's getting some some uh, some blowback, so it's kind of tough. Dak Prescott's me one of the most interesting characters in this year's NFL. He feels like he's gone through a whole career cycle of ups and downs in just like three years, and it's, it's just absolutely bonkers to me that that's how that's going down. Um, so we got to keep an eye on Dak Prescott, and we know our guy Alec Argento, who comes on the podcast, really thinks he's fantastic. And for those of you who may have never heard our guy Alec Argento on the podcast, he thinks he's horrible. <laughs> so other people around the league, around media, are starting to believe that that Dak is not one of these guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, Giants division rival Cowboys face up against them on Sunday and then for the Cowboys moving forward. That'll be very, very interesting. But I want to talk about the man, Patrick Mahomes. He's gotten some hype. He got some preseason hype. And boy, did he live up to it. For the most part. But we do have to remember that there's a guy named Tyreek Hill who did a a large chunk of that work for Patrick Mahomes' stat line on Sunday. Okay? So I really think Patrick Mahomes is awesome. His arm is just incredible, and no one can deny it. He seems to have an it factor. He seems to have the ability to move, the ability to keep his eyes downfield, the ability to control a team, to control uh, 
you know, an offense and all that. All the things that you hear about a quarterback that are, are good, he seems to have it, okay? But here's my one thing with Mahomes. And it's it's a little bit of a slow your roll. I'm, I'm not trying to do the whole, just remember it's week one. I'm not trying to do that here. What I'm trying to do here is remind you that Andy Reid has a very strong resume of starting really strong. I mean, think about Alex Smith last year. It was week six. I think half the league thought he was the MVP. And granted, Alex Smith had a great great little game for himself uh, out in Arizona. Don't get me wrong, for Washington. But it's going to be really important for Patrick Mahomes come the second half of the season. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I'm not trying to take away what he's going to do. I think he's going to do really good things, and my confidence is truly there for him. And I always liked Andy Reid, and I freaking love Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt and even Travis Kelsey, who didn't do much week one. But Patrick Mahomes is quickly going to become the guy uh, or is going to go from the guy who is making big plays, putting up gaudy numbers, just putting points up on the board, to the guy who has to get it done in the second half. The guy who has to get it done on the road late in the season, who hopefully has the opportunities to get it done in the playoffs. And that is where his money is going to be made. Because if not, if not, if he doesn't get to that point where he has postseason success or where he has late season success, he's going to get swept under the rug with other Andy Reidites of people who can't get it done late. And that goes, to sh- that goes to show a couple quarterbacks here. And one of the big takeaways from the Chicago Bears-Packers game the other day was basically that Matt Nagy had a, a plan in place for the beginning of the game for Mitch Trubisky to take control, to make plays, to take calculated risks. And when that plan ended, they didn't quite have the confidence in Mitch Trubisky anymore. And Matt Nagy is an Andy Reid, uh, is a member of Andy Reid's coaching tree. He came from Andy Reid's uh, coaching staff. So for some of these quarterbacks where you see them look so fantastic and you see them do some really cool stuff and the plays look clean and uh, the, the planning looks crisp, you need to see what they can do later in the season. You need to see what they can do when they're under pressure. Now my prediction for Patrick Mahomes is that he can be one of the types of players who can lift Andy Reid out of that shell. Because it looks to me that Andy Reid has the ability. Well, actually, I just I know this. He has the ability to put a quarterback in, in in positions to succeed for the first half of the season, after every bye week, for a lot of first halves in games. But like we saw the Chiefs last year, after being electric for an entire season, they couldn't move the ball in the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes, even though I need to wait and see it, my prediction is that he is going to be the balance, the counterweight of Andy Reid's planning to when things do break down and to when things don't go as planned or when the plan's over. He seems to have that ability, that innate just instinct to get out the pocket, to keep his eyes downfield, to want to make plays. He seems to have that it. He seems to have it. So my prediction here for Mahomes is very positive, but I need people to slow the roll because it's so important for an Andy Reid coached quarterback to do it in week 12, in week 14, in week 1 of the playoffs. 
So I didn't want to do the whole, it's only week one thing, but there it is. <laughs> there it is. I've actually found it really funny. And uh, this will be my topic number four, I guess. I'm already getting to 30 minutes here. My topic number four is a quick one. It's basically just a, a quick comment on what I've noticed in the media the past. Really, It's really this year, but a little bit last year. Like It started to trickle through last year. So last year, you know, I did a podcast. It was week one. I forget who it was with, but I did something like, you know, let's do the biggest overreactions or or the fakest overreactions or the worst overreactions of week one because, oh, everybody on Twitter is just freaking out and everybody on the media is freaking out about this and which team's dead and blah, 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 blah. And we know last year, for example, the Saints did not play well in week one and two. We know where they ended up, a play away from playing uh, – the Eagles in the Super Bowl, was it? Yeah. They were a play away from playing the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Oh, no, playing the Falcons. I forget. You know, against the Vikings, they lost. Was that the first round, actually? Maybe it was. I'm not going to fact check that. You can do it yourself. Um, they lost to the Vikings in that big meltdown of, of a missed tackle. But for the entire season, the Saints were incredible. But you quickly forget that in week one and two, the defense was not incredible. So when the Saints get freaking torched by Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think I think we've actually grown as a society and as a media and as a Twitter member to not just freak out and to write stuff off. And I'm really happy about it, to be honest. Because, you know, before week one started, I was prepping in my head for this podcast here where I was going to say, oh, these are the worst overreactions that I heard. Can you believe that people think the Saints are done? Or can you believe that people think Fitzpatrick might take Winston's job? Which is possible, for sure. I don't think it's completely likely. He did one good game. He's got two more to look uh, like that to take his job. Um, But whatever. But then Monday came around, Tuesday came around, Wednesday came around. I'm listening to live radio shows, watching TV shows. I'm listening to podcasts. And everybody has that same mindset that I kind of have as well. It was like, well, let's pick out the worst overreactions because everybody's so self-aware now and Twitter and social media force us to be and freezing cold takes force us to be so self-aware and to kind of know what we're doing here a little bit. I mean, obviously some people are bigger than that. Like Skip Bayless, man, the guy's guy's legendary for people hating him. I mean, he can do whatever he wants at this point. But most people here in the media who have podcasts and who are writing blogs and doing TV shows and whatnot, we're also self-aware that we all got so sick and tired from the past two years, three years, five years of these psycho week one overreactions that I think they kind of stopped. And I, I, I'm almost a little sad, but I'm also very happy because I used to get infuriated looking at Twitter or talking to my friends. You know, for example, the Packers season was over and then Aaron Rodgers came back and it, and it was – and it, it's magically back, right? But the Bears were this awesome team in the first half. And then by the end of the game, it was like, oh, crap. Well, right, well, the Bears have a lot to work on. <laughs> People are so aware, and they're forced to be accountable because they're just so rapidly reacting on Twitter. It's actually the reason why I don't live tweet during games very often because I like to see the whole thing. I like to see the whole product. I like to see it kind of uninterrupted. The only moment I went on Twitter during uh, a, a game that I was watching solely this weekend was when Sam Darnold threw his first pick, just because I wanted to see. I just wanted to see what happened, and I saw some hilarious stuff. But I think as a, as a whole sports fan base, we have become more aware of our takes and 
not looking stupid or trying not to. And obviously there's plenty of people out there who do horribly stupid things on Twitter and on their radio shows and whatnot, not even to call out specifics. You just know that they exist. Uh, so it's very funny to me that we've kind of become aware. And now instead of doing pe- people doing shows where it's like, hey, look at all these horrible overreactions. It's, okay, let's not overreact and let's look at this rationally. And I kind of like that. I was listening to Ryan Russillo and he did exactly what I did on his dual threat pod where he was like, all right, I don't want to do the whole it's only week one thing, don't freak out, but I'm going to do the whole week one thing, don't freak out. And I ended up doing the same exact thing. Uh, Shout out to that pod, by the way. Really good. All right, so the last thing I want to do here on today's podcast, I'm going to try to finish this in about five or so more minutes, is everybody's favorite moment of the week when we talk about our weekly picks in the NFL. So we have some very interesting numbers here in week two. All right, I'm going to stay away from the Thursday night game. Let me get that that off my chest right now. I made the mistake of taking one of my three picks last week of that Thursday night game, I was extremely confident in the Falcons. I went on this whole little rant. Oh, new Pete. I'm not gonna not gonna panic and overreact when I see a line shift like crazy because you know what the Falcons were underdogs and then all of a sudden they were favorites. I said, you know what? I liked the Falcons last week. Nothing changed but the line. I'm sticking with my guns. Well, I still plan on sticking with my guns in general, but uh I didn't win that one. The Eagles took that one, and their defense looked awesome. Nick Foles looked like Nick Foles, which is fine. Gets the job done. Matt Ryan looked bad. Expect him to get better. So if you like the Falcons going into the season, I would uh, urge you to continue to have some faith in them. I think they will get better. They will start winning some games. In fact, they are six-point favorites at home against the Panthers, who I also like this season a lot. Wouldn't touch that game. If I would, probably, actually, I might. <laughs> I might take the Panthers, get those points, uh, take the six, maybe buy it to seven. But that is not one of my picks here. To start off my picks here, for the NFL Week 2, I'm going to go with a team I bet directly against in Week 1, that being the Philadelphia Eagles. So I know what you're thinking. Well, actually, first let me tell you, they're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Tampa. It's a Tampa home game. They're plus three. Their fans are probably very excited after their big week one win over the Saints. Okay? So it's Philadelphia Eagles minus three. So I know you might be thinking, well, Pete, uh, did you not just see that Ryan Fitzpatrick freaking tore the Saints to shreds last week? Oh, yeah, no, I saw. Of course. I mean, he put up freaking 43 fancy points. It was incredible. I get it. Deshaun Jackson running around, couldn't be guarded. Mike Evans was a beast. Ryan Fitzpatrick running for first downs, making plays. That is all true. These are all things that happened. But do you know what else happened in that game? And I know we're talking about Drew Brees here. But the Saints came screaming back and picked up, picked apart that defense like it was not even there. Michael Thomas going absolutely bonkers. Kamara having a good game. Breeze just looking like the Hall of Famer that he is. And granted, we're talking about Drew Breeze. But Tampa's defense did not exactly look up to snuff, right? And with a whole week and a half almost since the Eagles played on Thursday to prepare, with the Eagles coaching staff able to just sit back and watch their next week's opponent and study them for an extra couple days, 
being that the Eagles played on Thursday. I am very happy with this number. And if I had to guess, it will actually go up by Sunday. By Sunday, I would imagine it be Eagles three and a half or even Eagles plus, uh, I mean, minus four. And obviously, we don't want that if we're betting the Eagles. So I say lock it in right now. Philadelphia Eagles defense is awesome. Their front seven against Atlanta looked aggressive and strong and explosive. Matt Ryan couldn't move. And now can Ryan Fitz move a little better than Matt Ryan? For sure. Absolutely. But can Ryan Fitz hit those throws on time week after week? I think if you're a Jets fan or a guy who watched him in New York when he was on the Jets, you may very well know that Ryan Fitzpatrick can do this every every now and again. That he can do it from time to time. But over time, sustainably, when people have time to prep for him, when they see the tape, he's not catching the Eagles by surprise this time. He's not the underdog with nothing to lose. He's put up the best week in week one across the league. The Philadelphia Eagles, defending Super Bowl champs, getting insulted, being only minus three. Gimme, I mean, lay the points. Take the points is what I meant to say. Don't give them to me. Take them. Take the three. I got the Eagles winning by at least a touchdown. I think they win by 10. I think the Buccaneers have trouble moving the ball. They'll have maybe a big player too. I see it in like the 24 to 14 range. I like the Eagles. Moving on to my second pick here. And I uh, do not like to do it to you, uh, Mr. Jets fans. But I have this theory in sports, and, you know, it seems to work sometimes, but obviously it definitely doesn't other times. But my theory here is that when a team wins in dramatic fashion or when a team wins in a prime fashion, when they're on late and they're the only game on and everybody's looking at them, they get propped up. They get propped up in our heads. Now, Matt Stafford, Matt Patricia, and Jim Bob Cooter looked absolutely overwhelmed on Monday night. The Jets looked awesome. I mean, the four interceptions, or was it five even? I forget now. It was, everything went well for the Jets' defense. But this week, it's at New York. There's going to be a lot of hype around the Jets. But the Dolphins, I don't believe, are a bad team. In fact, you got to think back to what you thought of these rosters beforehand, before week one. They were looked at as very comparable and a slight edge, compared, uh, according to Vegas, or the, with the wins over under, uh, to the Dolphins. The Dolphins had this really weird week one. It was bizarre. They had all these freaking delays against the Titans, lightning and whatnot. The game took like nine hours or whatever the hell it did. I mean, it was weird. And if even if you were watching Red Zone, you didn't see much. And honestly, it probably felt... Like the Dolphins didn't even play a full game because it was so piecemealed throughout the day. But the Dolphins have a quality team. Ryan Tannehill looked he looked okay. He looked solid. Kenyon Drake looks good. The defense looked all right. I mean, the Titans couldn't move the ball for crap. So what I'm doing here, and this is my theory, is when a team has so much hype and when everybody gets really high on somebody, like they are on Sam Darnold right now, like they are on the Jets right now, I just like to go the other way especially if it goes in line with something I kind of I kind of believed already. So I kind of liked the Dolphins getting a couple points here. What I'm going to do here is I'm going to 
probably buy it to three and a half. I think this is a really close game. I'm buying it three and a half. If I'm feeling frisky, I'll buy a full point, make it four just for fun. Uh, but I think this is a really close game. It's at MetLife. Jets home opener. I don't think the Jets have five interceptions again. I don't believe Sam Darnold will throw a pick six on his first throw again. That being said, the electricity will be there in the crowd. I have many friends who will be a part of that electricity. It'll be really fun. I have a good feeling the Jets might come out on top. But division game, two teams who are 1-0, I think it's a close one. And I'll take the three points and the Miami Dolphins. And last but not least, uh, for my NFL Week 2 picks, this one's a simple one. It's simple. If you can get the New England Patriots and you don't have to give up any points, you take them. You take them. Tom Brady, Rob Gonkowski, they looked okay last week. They looked solid. And they beat a Houston Texans team, not with ease because the Texans made it close. It was only a seven-point game. They didn't beat them with ease, but they beat them. They looked strong. Gronk looked extremely healthy. Their, what is it, four-head running back monster uh, of, you know, Rex Burkhead, James White, Michelle, everybody, who knows who's getting the ball out of the New England Patriots backfield. They got they got guys who are, are sneaky good. Philip Dorsett looked okay. Chris Hogan actually had a really quiet game. And uh, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. And there's a simple rule here. I had my rule before that if a team gets too hyped up, go the other way. Well, my simple rule here is if you can take the Patriots and you're not giving up any points, you take them. Yes, they are in Jacksonville. Yes, it's Jacksonville's home opener. Their defense is really good. They got revenge out for the Patriots because of the AFC Championship last game. But you give me Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, and Gronk against Blake Bortles, even with a fantastic defense. Leonard Fournette is a little banged up. He's going to play word on the street. Uh, He's going to play. That is correct. Um, who knows how much. Some of their receivers looked fine against the Giants. They did. Keelan Cole looked athletic. He looked big. He looked strong. But, like I said, it's very simple. When you look through the lines on Sunday or whenever you do, if you can get the New England Patriots without giving up any points, you take them, and that's it. So that is my reasoning there. I don't care that they're on the road. It's Patriots. Pick them. Do it. Do it every time. So those are my three picks. I like the New England Patriots on the road as a pick'em versus the Jaguars. I like the Philadelphia Eagles giving three on the road at Tampa Bay. A lot of hype for Tampa Bay. And then I like Miami Dolphins plus three at MetLife Stadiums against the Jets. Now it's a little risky, guys. Let me let me tell you. It's a little risky to take three road teams. But uh, only one is a favorite, so you're getting some points. You're picking a favorite Super Bowl champs against an overhyped Tampa Bay team, in my opinion, and you're betting on the Patriots. So I feel like I'm three solid picks here. Uh, I like how it looks. And just for funsies, you know how we like to do it here on the Sports Blog New York Podcast, I'm going to give you the game to just not bet on. I'm going to give you the game to just let it fly, to watch it from afar, and enjoy the show because it will probably be exciting. I think it's going to be close, and I don't know what the hell's going to happen. And that is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So if I walked away on Sunday night, it's 8 o'clock, all the 1 o'clock games are over, or the 4 o'clock games are over, and I look back to the 1 o'clock slate and see 30-14 to 14 Chiefs, or 33-20 Steelers, or 27-24, either one, 
you're not going to be shocked. The Steelers did not look good. Big Ben did not look good. He historically doesn't start particularly well. They didn't seem to miss Le'Veon Bell that much, which is a crazy thing to say, according to some people. But James Conner had an awesome day, right? That wasn't the problem, was missing Le'Veon. Plenty of other problems around the Pittsburgh Steelers. But it's in Pittsburgh. The Chiefs obviously started hot. The Steelers obviously did not. But you got minus four Steelers are favorite in Pittsburgh. I mean, just think about it. If I told you it was 27-24, either team won, you wouldn't be shocked. If I told you the Chiefs took it to the Steelers one by 10, you wouldn't be shocked. And if the Steelers looked awesome and Antonio Brown has 160 yards and Juju Smith-Schuster has two touchdowns and Big Ben looks good, are you going to be shocked about that? So just don't watch it. That's one of the most exciting games uh, of Sunday. So just enjoy that one on its own. Patrick Mahomes versus Big Ben. It'll be like Spider-Man meme, them pointing at each other. Like, hey, we're both giants with rocket arms. Look at us. It'll be really fun. All right? And Tyreek Hill, you never know what the hell he's going to do. He might just run for a 91-yard punt return touchdown. Um, that's about it, though, for me here on the Sports Blogging Report podcast. So we got the Eagles. We got the Dolphins. We got the Patriots. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And uh, as I semi-predicted, I was going to go longer than planned. So officially, 50 minutes on the, quote, mini podcast. Ugh, I got to do better with that one. But I just enjoy talking all these sports so, so much. And if you enjoy listening to them, I mean, for real, uh, the, the best way you can support the program and a very easy way to support the program is to go on iTunes, to go on the Apple Podcast app, drop in those stars, drop a little review, tell me what you like, what you don't like, what you want to hear more of. Give me your picks. Give me your three picks of the week. Play against me. That'll be fun. Hit me on Twitter at Kennedy. I can't wait for week two, and I can't wait even more to be back here talking with all you guys. So thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy your football week two, and enjoy the rest of your week.